here's my first thing that's going to be on the screen. It's going to be probably the only thing point-wise, and I want you to write this down. God has no interest in your old self. God has no interest in your old self. You see, it is your old self that many of us, and I know from past experience, it is my old self that tried to do so much. There are some of us in this very room who are trying to live out the Christian life. We're trying to be good. We're trying to stay out of trouble. We're not trying to cuss. We're trying not to be addicted. We're trying to be nice to our spouses. And we're trying to do that under the influence of our flesh, our old self. And I'm going to define that in a second by scripture. Old self flesh, because you're going to hear us talking about it a lot. We're trying to do everything. We're trying to have a relationship with God under the power of our old self, old man flesh. And God has no interest in your old self. My wife and I and three of my kids, um, my three boys, we went out last night and um, we, we went just, we went to a restaurant and we were sitting there in the restaurant. And, and anytime you go with my family, there's, there's chaos. And it's, it's a holy chaos in the name of Jesus. I promise you, I promise you, we're not, we're not like, um, we're, we're not a militia. We're not some rogue group that's trying to take over the world, even though that's what it feels and sounds like sometimes, all right? So it's me and my three boys and my 15-year-old, who's probably somewhere in here, he is the instigator of all this mess. He is the one who broke the chopsticks out where my four-year-old turned those into a dagger and was trying to stab everybody at the table. My wife looked like she had just been in an MMA fight after dinner. And we were at a nice restaurant having a nice dinner and she was taking a beating. My three-year-old's feet, my four-year-old's feet are all over her. My, my, my nine-year-old's over here having a headache. I'm not sure if he's going to throw up everything that he just ate. He's acting weird. And so I just sent him back out to the van. I'm serious. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I didn't do that. Not then. I did later when we were in the stores. Um, but we were just having life. And we were sitting there and we were in a U-shaped booth and beside of us in the very next U-shaped booth was another family. And I was a pretty good ways from here, so I know that they aren't going to come to this church this morning. But they look miserable. And my wife and I, not that we, we, we are, I think our hearts hurt. Because they were just miserable. They had a couple of kids. And if I was to define it, because I'm a very visual person, I would define what was going on in their booth as just gray. Now listen, there was, there was tie-dye color going on in our booth, but what was going on there in my heart, just I was like, man, they look so sad. And the Lord said, they're just trying to live this life in the flesh. Now, I don't know if they know Jesus. I didn't go up and ask them. I probably should have done something. I didn't. But I just wonder how many people out of the 7 billion on this planet are like living life out of the power of the flesh. And I just jotted this note down and it just simply says your spirit will never let you down. But your flesh will be disgruntled on a very regular basis. 
So I want, I want to talk to you, not only today, I want to talk to you this weekend and, and way beyond about what does it look like to actually be driven, not by the flesh or the old man anymore, but actually be driven every thought, action, deed by the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, my friend. You say, why do you call him your friend? Because he's my friend. Anyone who does and says to me what the Holy Spirit says and does for me, he has to be a friend of mine. For two straight days, I've been on walks. Listen, I'm, I'm not a busy person. I'm not. I'm not even important. So for those of you who keep coming up to me and say, oh, you're so busy. No, you're just trying to flatter me. And that's not flattery in the kingdom. Now, in the world's terms, being busy is like a badge of honor. No. In the world, if you're so busy that you have other people knowing that you're so busy, you're just arrogant. So, no, I'm not a busy person. Last two days I've been on a walk and the Lord has said to me both days when I got to this one point where some magnolia trees are. He said, Scott, if you'd spend more time with me, you would recognize the power of smell. What? On Friday morning, I walked into a man's house who was baking fresh bread. I mean, who does that anymore? Subway? (laughs) I walked into a man's house who was baking fresh bread. You know why? Because he's not a busy man. He spends a lot of time with the Lord. And then I walked past this magnolia tree again this morning and the Lord was like, do you notice the power of smell? Magnolia tree smells amazing. Hint, hint. I'm trying, I've been trying to get some magnolia trees around this place for years. Actually, just a few months. Sounds better when I say years, like decades. See, we don't recognize those kind of things because we're just in control of, we're trying to pull up our bootstraps and work harder and get busier and sweat more. And You see what I'm saying? But when we're under control of the Holy Spirit, oh, Things come alive in you that you did not even know were living inside of you. All right, I got to start preaching. Here we go. Here's the definition. I want to I define two words. God has no interest in your old self. But what do you mean? The only interest in your old self that God has is he wants to redeem your old self and give you a new self, Okay. The only interest that God has in your old self, the only interest he has in your old self is that he wants to redeem your old self and give you a new self. Now listen, that's gold right there. And if we don't go any further than that, listen, it will be an atrocity because there are so many people, even in this region, Christ followers in church right now who have no idea what it looks like to operate under the influence of a new self. All right, so let me define two words. Old man, old self, old flesh, old woman, whatever. Here it goes, and it comes from a passage of scripture that I'm gonna have to read off of my phone, and it's Galatians chapter five, verses 19 through 21. The reason I wanna read it off of my phone is because I wanna read it from the message translation. 
And this paraphrase is amazing. Listen to this. You can follow along in your translation, but I would encourage you at some time to go read it from the message translation, Galatians 5, 19 through 21. And here is the definition of your old self that God has no interest in. Here it is. It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. Has that struck anybody yet? Frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants. That's your old man. That's the person God has no interest in. A brutal temper. Bring it. An impotence of love or be loved. Divided homes and divided lives. Small-minded and lopsided pursuits. The vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival. And that goes on, and I'm going to stop reading it for time's sake this morning. Did you get that? That's your old self. Some of you are like, well, wait a minute, I didn't know. That sounds just like me. I say this with all the grace and love and mercy that I can muster. It's no wonder that many of us are in the way and shape that we're in. Listen, I've been there and I've done that. I've been there. I've recognized that. But that's my old self. That Galatians chapter 5, 19 through 21 just described. And God has no interest in that. The only interest in the old man that he has is he wants to redeem it. The word redeem, and I know that's a churchy word, but the word redeem simply means that your sins have been paid for. The word redeemed means that you have been saved. So if you in this room have accepted Jesus Christ as your savior, you have been redeemed. Here's a passage of scripture, and we're not gonna get very far this morning, but that's okay. Turn to Colossians chapter three. Turn with me to Colossians chapter three and here's, here's a, a scriptural definition of what the word redeemed means. Colossians chapter three, verse three. This is a good one. I love when I say that and I always catch myself like there's some bad scripture. There's just some that mean more to me than others, just being honest. Colossians chapter three is the third verse. Here's what redemption looks like today. It says, for you died, thank God. That's a good thing. Your old man is dead, okay? For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Did you get that? Your life, your, your life, your mess, your old self, all of those things that I just read to you from the message translation is your old self is now dead, 
If you have been redeemed, you are not that stuff anymore. And not only that, but it says that your life is now hidden with Christ in God. There is a reason why Hope City has the symbol of three lines. Like literally God through the Holy Spirit gave us that symbol. Some of you are saying, yeah, it's a marketing ploy. No, listen, that has deep meaning. Every time you see those three lines, I want you to think of this. I want you to think of that now your life is hidden with Christ and God. So, because when God looks down upon you, when he sees you, he doesn't see your old man. He hates your old man. He sent Jesus to die for your old man. So when he looks at you, he doesn't see your old man. He doesn't see you anymore. This passage of scripture just said to me that he now sees Jesus instead of me. That'll sink in one of these years. It's okay. That'll sink in. God doesn't see that mess. Tells me he sees Jesus. Mm. And I, I know because we've heard it. Scott, that is a hyper uber grace message. You mean to tell me that all my sins are now hidden in Christ and when I am out here messing around and screwing up that he sees Jesus, Scott, that doesn't sound like the gospel message. Can I just tell you? When I hear this message that I know to be straight from gospel message, That does not tell me or make me want to go and have a license to sin. That does not make me want to go out and run rampant and live sin binges and do whatever I want. That message that I just read you does not make me want more of this world. That message that I just read you right there makes me want more of anything that Jesus Christ has available to me. And so if you read the gospel and you think sin binge, license to sin, uber grace, hyper grace, you've not read the message or the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know that there's a lot of crazy theologies and doctrines and those are just two fancy words for a lot of beliefs and thoughts that are out there. Here's what I believe. I believe that New Testament points out a life of Jesus who, yes, he was God, but he was fully man when he walked this earth for 33 years. He walked this earth 33 years as man empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. And Jesus died. He's no longer with us. And quoting Jesus, he said, it's a good thing that I go away. Listen, it's a good thing that Jesus is not here on this earth anymore. And the reason it's a good thing is because when he went, he sent us a counselor, a helper, an advocate, a power named Holy Spirit. And the same Holy Spirit that powered Jesus when he walked this earth. Listen, it's available to us. 
And I know some of you here, full of the Holy Spirit, you allow that presence and power to control your life. And can I just say this about you? You're weird. I'm not going there this morning, but that's the way you're supposed to be. Look it up. Read this before your cookout today or tomorrow. Go. <clears throat> I got some word I want to share with you. Bring open 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, and read it to your cookout people. And if you look at someone and they're normal, uh, they may not have him. We're not supposed to be normal, my friends. Actually, and you read 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, Peter says, hey guys, hey aliens, hey strangers in this world. <laughs> oh, it's getting weirder. And I'm okay with it. Did you know that God loves to speak? Did you know that? I guarantee, I don't want to see a show of hands, but I bet you there's so many people in this room and I, I hate this. My heart breaks over this. I want to put a stop to it. Next year, this time, I don't want anybody in this room to be able to raise their hand. But most of us, maybe some of us, maybe would say, man, I've never heard God speak. It's okay. But give me six months a year from now because we're going to inundate and saturate. No, it's not going to be okay. God loves to speak. He does. Do you, do you know that one of the most powerful things, one of his greatest characteristics, I think, just my opinion, don't hold me to this, but in my mind, one of his greatest, most powerful characteristics is the fact that God speaks. What do you mean by that, Scott? Here's what I mean. You know, back in the very beginning, turn your first page in your Bible, when God created all this stuff that we see, everything that we know, Everything that we can touch and see and smell, everything God created. And he could have chosen any way in the world. He could have done, he could have invented a way that you and I would have never been able to relate to. But God chose to speak everything into existence. Look at it. Genesis chapter one, the third verse. It said, God, what? Said. He, he, God said, let there be light. He could have waved his hand. He could have blinked. I have a, well, he just passed away recently, a friend of mine up in Moxville, the first church I ever pastored. He helped my wife and I plant a garden for the very first time. I mean, I played golf all my life. The only thing I knew how to rake was a sand trap, but he showed us how to like make a garden and it was beautiful. And, and he put all this stuff in it and corn and, and you name it, but we had watermelons. And man, you know, if you've ever planted watermelons, they grow on a vine and they run like crazy, don't they? I love watermelons. 
but they run like crazy. And so his name was Darnell, beautiful man. Like I, the only reason he hung out and talked to me is because he loved my wife. But whenever Daisha was around, Darnell was like, he was in the game. He, he, would took, he took us out the very first time. I'll never forget this. He took us out to the garden. And uh, my wife was so excited. She had little watermelons growing like this. And she was like, look, look, Darnell, you see that one? And he said, whoa, 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 stop. And he said, whoa. And we're like, what? He said, man, you cannot point at those watermelons. They will die. And I'm like, well, how do I get your attention? I want you to look at that one. And honestly, he, this is what he did. He said, just do like that, like that. That one, you see. <laughs> God could have done that. He could have gone, let there be light. God could have done anything he wanted to to create all this, but he spoke it. Now, I could send you home and let you just think on that thought. But I got something I want to show you before we leave out of here. I want you to think on that thought. God wants to speak to you. Oh, you know that couple I described, their relationship, what just seemed to be just very, God wants to speak to them on behalf of their marriage. God wants to, he wants to talk to you. Hey, he's wanting to say, hey, Scott and Dacia, I love you two so much. And I'm so glad you're married. He wants to say those kind of things to you. The God who spoke everything into being wants to talk to you about your relationship with your husband or your wife. Hey, young ladies, sitting on the front row, I'm sorry. The God who spoke everything into existence wants to speak to you and he wants to tell you, he wants to say, yes, Billy is the one that I want you to marry. I threw Billy out there because maybe you don't know any Billy. I could have said Grady, but that would have been me trying to do things. <laughs> hey, young people, listen. Oh my goodness, can I just tell you? He wants to tell you everything. He wants to tell you everything. If you'll ask him. I love this passage of scripture that I'm going to be teaching on the very last session of the Moore weekend on Saturday afternoon. I'm going to be preaching from Luke chapter 11, verse 11. Bradley picks on me about my memory, but it's Luke 11, 11. And in my Bible, it's on the left-hand page and it's about halfway down on that right column. And, 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 and Jesus is talking and he's saying, Man, what kind of father gives his son a stone when he asks for bread? You know know that scripture? We've heard that a thousand million times. But it's not about trying to prove what kind of good father is. He's telling the story to his friends. He's saying, so how much more will the father in heaven give to those the Holy Spirit who ask? I'm I'm not going there right now. But God's wanting to speak and tell you Everything that you want to know. So many of us are not asking. So many of us are not listening. Forgive me for what I'm getting ready to do, but I'm getting ready to go really quickly through John 16. 
And again, I, I say this every Sunday, I think, but I know that this is not the only time many of you sit with your Bible open and read it. I just know that. And so it's sort of crazy for me to think that I have to read you every, every word and every verse. And I know that. I know that you're not just sitting there waiting for me to feed you this week. Because if this is the only time you're going to eat this week, some of you are going to starve to death. Some of you are going to be hungrier than I am right now. Some of you are like, I saw you ate last night. How could you be hungry? I am. Just forgive me. I have a very, my metabolism is slow. So, but anyway, here we go. My metabolism is slow is what I said. I can hear you. See, I can see you and hear you. That's a bad combination. Float like a butterfly and sting like a bee. I don't know where that came from. Here we go. Listen to this. I love this. John 16, verse 12. This is Jesus saying this. I have much more. Look at this. Look. I have much more to say to you. More than you can now bear. Jesus is talking to his disciples. And in fact, in my Bible, it is the heading, the work of the Holy Spirit. I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear. Verse 13, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. The Holy Spirit does not speak on his own. Please get that. The Holy Spirit is not just out here running rogue, finding cool things to say to you. The Holy Spirit does not have the authority to speak on his own. So where does he come up with this stuff? Great question. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. That means about your spouse. That means about your boyfriend that you don't even have yet. That is about where do I go to college? What kind of job do I take? How do you want me to respond to my spouse? And so on. God is not dangling a carrot in front of your face. He is not playing a game with us. He is sitting on his throne posture, just waiting for us to come to him and say, hey, dad, I got this situation. What would you want me to do for it? He is just waiting for us to ask. He goes on and says that he will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. That verse just tells me that Jesus gets pleasure from the Holy Spirit taking what God and Jesus are talking about. Jesus gets pleasure by the Holy Spirit taking what God and Jesus are talking about and making it known to you. Making it known to you, revealing things from heaven. Jesus gets pleasure when that happens. And it goes on. Verse 15 says, all that belongs to the father is mine. That is why I said the spirit, the Holy Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. I could go on and on, but listen, can I tell you what happened in my life almost four years ago is that that became a reality. That wasn't just words on a page. That wasn't religion. That 
That, that, that wasn't some guy, some preacher, some teacher standing up telling me this stuff. That actually happened in my life. I'm not perfect. Here on this earth, my, my, earth, my things that I do sometimes do not add up to what God sees in me. Can I tell you, I'm on a journey that'll never end. And that doesn't stress me out. That doesn't frustrate me. That doesn't cause me to want to give up. No, it actually causes me to want more. See, the problem is, and there's going to be two things on the screen that are going to pop up. This, this, and I want to just walk you through this here just in the last few minutes, and then we're going to pray over some of you. Listen, you got to figure this one out. Like, you have to figure this one out. This is mine. This is mine. Don't take mine. You can take a picture of it, and you can work off of it, but do not take this one, because it will possibly not work for you. But I filled this out. Where'd this come from, Scott? The Holy Spirit. I didn't read some Bill Johnson book. I didn't read a Graham Cook book. I that was weird, Graham Cook book. He doesn't cook, he's a preacher. I didn't read any of that. I didn't watch a, uh, um, I didn't watch a podcast. I didn't listen. I, I simply listened to God and this is what he took me through. This is what happened to me. And it's happened to many of you, I'm sure, but it can happen to every single one of you. Is that every day of my life, look at this. Where does my fulfillment or provision come from? The old man, guess what he's going to say? He's going to say this world. You know what the father says to me? I am your fulfillment. Hey, Scott, you're my son and I'm your dad. And I've got everything for you. Oh, that sounds like some kind of prosperity message, Scott. Now, I just read to you. Did you not listen to what it said there in John chapter 16? It said that everything I have, everything has been given to me. Everything is mine. And so that's where my provision comes from. I got it written down here, so I don't have to turn around and look. The second one, like where's my power source? Many of you would say most of the weeks, Monday especially, you get in the trenches of work and life is coming at you and there's 14 calendar dots and you got three kids with 24 practices and they're all in different states and you just don't know. And so what you do is you say, I got to pull up my bootstraps. I've got to do better. I've got to sleep less and I got to work more. I got to do better. I got to do better this time. I hate when I say that. I gotta do better this time. No. What you have to learn is that your power is not in your flesh. You see this? Go ahead and put it up there. And listen, I know there's all kinds of question marks that pop up. Well, what in the world does that look like for you then? And again, this is not a shameless plug. We don't do anything without being somewhat intentional at this place. Friday and Saturday is not a stinking waste of time. Friday and Saturday, I I know that there are other things in this world that you would probably be rather doing, but I can promise you, your spouse, your friends, your children, the people at your work, they want you to grasp this. So listen, quit trying to muster and power through this thing. Why don't you sit down for once and say, God, will you allow the Holy Spirit just to tell me 
what I'm supposed to do this week and then shut up and listen. Just be quiet for once and listen. The Holy Spirit will bring from the throne room of heaven and he wants to give it to you. So that's a big one. I could talk forever. Your feelings, man. This one is a big one for me. Every time somebody did something that I didn't like, man, my feelings were ruptured. Every time somebody didn't give me praise, every time someone said something negative, every time someone did something that attacked my flesh, it was over. And I know I'm not the only one in the room who struggles with that. Our feelings. The way we go about and carry ourselves. This face. I don't think in the spirit, powered by the Holy Spirit, you can have a constant frown on your face. And I'm not going to look at anybody when I say that, but I know that there are some people that just have a countenance that is not joy. I don't think you can go through this life with every person you pass thinking that you're mad or something's wrong with you. I don't think that's a possibility. Because if one of these days we're going to recognize just how powerful the Holy Spirit is in us. And guys, we are going to be whistling as we work. It's coming. You're going to start recognizing those people throughout this community. Oh, they, they got him. That person knows the Holy Spirit. See, my feelings, if I'm listening to my old, fa- on my old man, I'm on feelings of shame. What did I do to not get the credit I deserved? What did I do to that person that they didn't speak to me? What did I do? And you fill in the blank. Went from shame to worth. You cannot send enough emails talking about my shirt, my hair, my facial hair, how long I spoke, how loud I spoke, how little I spoke, how whatever. You cannot send me enough emails to counteract what I have in worth through the Holy Spirit. You can't do it. You can't reject me enough. I'm going to tell you, four years ago, I would have been freaking out. Because I have never in 12 years led a church that didn't grow. And I don't know if you know this or not, but look around you. There's a lot of empty seats. But my worth does not diminish because we only have 900 people in church instead of 1,500. Oh, your paycheck defines your worth? Nah. Oh, the car you drive to find your word? Nah. Nah. Mm-mm. Think of something else. Nope. Negative. Nope. Your dad defines your worth. Worth is defined by something or the amount that something is paid to get it. That defines worth. God thought you were so worthy that he sent his son Jesus to die for you. You're pretty worthy. I don't care if you can't button the top button of your jeans. That doesn't define your worth. I'm going to leave that one there. (laughs) Oh, it's good. Here's what reality is. We're getting ready to start a series in September. 
called Fantasyland. I can't wait. I can't wait. Jared and his team are stinking amazing. I said that, Disney World, Fantasyland, you eventually have to pay the bills. And he said, dude, I just watched a little show on YouTube about a guy who lived in Disney World for a year, how much it would cost. It's crazy. It was like over $300,000. But anyway, here's what reality is. Not Fantasyland, but reality. Reality is this. As you're working on pulling your bootstraps up, you're eventually going to have to work on your own identity. It's an impossibility. The reality is this. You've been given a new identity. Again, this is not for this morning, but it's going to be over the next few weeks. There are immense, there is unbelievable power in our words. Something I'm working on in my new self. What I speak carries weight. What I say about someone carries weight. And I'm going to try not to look at anybody because I, I, husband, I want you to take this on. You only speak life over your spouse. You, just you. Well, what if she doesn't? I don't care. We're not in kindergarten anymore. If she doesn't, you continue to speak life. Because in this kingdom, the kingdom, not the culture that we're living, but the kingdom culture, I can look at someone and just say, has anyone told you? I told you today how beautiful you are. And, And we're not offended because we don't operate under the same rules as this culture. We operate under a kingdom rule. And God wants his daughters to know how beautiful they are. He wants his daughters to know how precious and worthy they are. I'm going to hurry through my list and I want you to do something similar. My focus is not sin focus. I don't focus on, oh, I hope I don't sin today. I hope I don't sin today. You know what's going to happen if I focus on sin? I'm going to sin. Oh, can I just be very honest? I'm trying to watch what I eat. If I focus on, oh, I'm so hungry. I want like four cheeseburgers and some chicken nuggets and I want some Coke. Guess what's eventually going to happen? Can I take your order? Yeah, I need like four cheeseburgers and some chicken nuggets and some Coke. Coca Cola. <laughs> what kind of drive through are you going through, man? That's what... My focus is not on sin, guys. My focus is on freedom. I am free. And I told you earlier if you read the gospel and think sin, binge, license to sin or anything else, you've not read the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am so free. I want to tell you, over the last four years, as I have journeyed, it is an amazing place to live life because of this. My daily starting point is not defeat, but it is victory. Every morning that I wake up, I know that I'm victorious. I just know it. Well, Scott, what if I don't feel like it? You know what? Then you're actually operating under a lie instead of the truth. Your God and your dad is the king. And you are his son and you are his daughter. He is undefeated. And that says something about you. Here's the truth. I am alive and I'm not dead. My goal every day, my goal every day is not performance, not promotion, but my goal every day is presence driven. 
It's presence driven. So that's mine. Take a picture. We'll probably have that somewhere on our website. Hey, ask God what yours looks like and then live from it. The old self is only killed off through Jesus Christ. That's it.